Welcome back to the Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the podcast. Um, and today, there's myself, Sean, and Eric from Atlanta once again. And this threesome is going to discuss another three-part epic uh, we did one night in Paris last time. And this time, to compare and contrast, we're going to do a Stuart and Goldman um, three-parter. Some people probably regard this as the, as the best track 10CC ever did. We can discuss it. Certainly one of their keynote live songs. And we're going to talk about Feel the Benefit. So... Hi, everybody. Hi, Sean. Hi, Eric. Let's go. <laughs> hello, hey, Paul. hello, Paul. Hey, and welcome back, Eric. It's, um, it, it's getting to be a lovely habit, this. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to our chats immensely. It's so much fun. Absolutely. Where do you stand on Feel the Benefit, Eric? Because I, I feel that Paul and I might be kind of swapping, swapping sides mm-hmm. tonight before I kind of divulge my, my views on the track. Oh, Where do you interesting. Sit? Uh, I'm very fond of it. I'm a fan of it. Um, that being said, I probably would not put it into my top 10 mm. uh, favorite 10cc tracks. I think when I compare it to my favorite tracks of, say, the first four LPs or even Consequences, there just is not quite, I don't know, the magic, for lack of a better word, <laughs> when I hear it. Uh, but I do enjoy it a lot. And I think there's some spectacular moments, some bits that I might have minor issues with that we'll talk about. But it's a piece to be reckoned with, isn't it? It's, mm. it's quite a tour de force. We're chiming again, Eric, there. Um, I wouldn't put this track in my top 10 either, um, even though... I think it might be 10cc's best instrumental track. I can't think mm. of, of any one of their, their pieces that is so impressive instrumentally. For me, where I kind of fall slightly out of love with it, however much I am really, really fond of it and admire it as this grandiose and big thing, if you strip away the wonderful instrumentation, the, the dazzling orchestra... And we'll talk loads about that, I'm sure. When you strip that away and just look at the basic song underneath, it doesn't move me as much as many, many other 10cc songs. Um, There doesn't seem to be much magic for me in the songwriting, Hmm. despite um, a a lovely, simple premise, uh, a a brilliant, maybe a a dodgy pun in the title. We'll, we'll, We'll discuss that. A wonderful juxtaposition of trivial memory, which I hope Paul will talk about, and a much broader theme um, that brings in some really important issues. But despite that, the song doesn't hit me in the heart. And it's, mm. it's only the sounds of the instruments and the voices that really hit me in the heart. So sorry that that was such a long-winded kind of preamble, but that's where I stand. Paul. I really like it. Um, one reason I really like it is that it's unique in the 10CC catalogue and it indicates um, a direction in which I think Eric certainly wanted to go, um, you know, extended pieces in a more traditional rock sense, if you like, rather than purely experimental. But I think, I mean, I like it most of all because you really feel 
And I know it's a, a Stuart Goldman song, but I always think of it as an Eric song mm. with, yeah. a, with a Graham interlude. Me and too. You, you really feel Eric's heart and soul in this song. Yeah. You, you, you hear him sing it and you hear him play it and it comes from the heart. And I, I do think it's a wonderful song. Yes, uh, brought to you know, a higher level still by the arrangement and the playing, mm. but I'll, you know, I'll stick up for it. Um, you know, we can only like what we like, but this yeah. one kind of gets me in the gut in the way that One Night in Paris, for some reason, just just doesn't. Sure. Uh, yeah, I I love so much about it, Paul. And, uh, you know, there, there I am kind of having the slightest moan about the song, but it's still a gorgeous melody. Beautifully sung, isn't it, Eric? It is. In fact, Paul, I agree with you. I think that there are some emotional highs in this song that we rarely see with, with 10cc. Mm. And uh, Eric has a, 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 some brilliant uh, vocal performance, Yes. particularly in the last little bit of the first section oh, yes. before we get to, yeah, I think that's just marvelous. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Del Newman and the strings, and that also elevates it in my eye to, to levels that we haven't seen in terms of emotion and musical complexity even. Sure, sure. Can I throw in an opening gambit, chaps, and uh, talk about what I think might be some really important musical influences weighing down on, on Eric and maybe Graham as well? Can I can I throw some sure. ideas your way? Yeah, do it. I, you won't be surprised to know that I've put together rather a lot of of audio clips. So we'd if, expect nothing less. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, so I've done my my usual kind of um, faffing around with the sound just to try and isolate a few things a little bit more. There are some key things going on here in terms of musical influences for me. Uh, it's almost arguably a, a tribute to late 60s Beatles and there are lots and lots of parallels I think but also with the, the relatively recent success of, of songs like uh, John Miles's music and we'll come on to another really key influence in a second so this is an obvious one in this world of trouble my music brings me through Something that just, I, I think, there's a, a resonance there that Eric hits with, with his, his vocal performance, the, or, the, you know, the orchestral uh, backing. I, I think that, there are quite a lot of parallels. Music's from, what, 1976? I think so. So we confidently saying... It predates Feel the Benefit. It would have been heard or could have been heard by the guys. I'm pretty, I think. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, right. I'm, I'm not going to play any, any more Supertramp clips uh, tonight, but <laughs> but obviously the Crime of the Century album, the wonderful strings on Rudy, the, there's no, mm -hmm. no way um, Eric and the band wouldn't have heard that stuff and thought, mm -hmm. wow, now mm -hmm. that is an extra dimension on top of rock music that is uh, very, very powerful. Quite agreed. I hadn't thought about the music track, but I can definitely hear that. Sure, sure. And the, there's the, the, the obvious parallel with, with this as an intro.
Yeah, so I, mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine I've got my guitar here for a little, a little bit. I wouldn't mind having a go at playing the intro, if that's okay, chaps, shortly. Great, yeah. Brilliant. Um, and a little bit later, I'd like to dive into this band. Uh, I know that Paul and I are massive fans, and, and you've mentioned them a couple of times, Eric. I hear, oh, yeah. I hear the Electric Light Orchestra all over feel the benefit. That's an epic track, isn't it? I love it? that track. I love the sound of Bev, Bevan throwing his drum kit down the stairs at the beginning of that. <laughs> <It's>... Totally. <laughs> um, and I think that, and I'd love to have a little, a deeper dive into some of the elements that I think Eric is, shall we say, borrowing from Jeff Lynn. Um, can I add an? Can I add another one? Please do. Um, I don't know whether you can pull it up. Um, this is an earlier track. Uh, I think it's from 1971, although I'm not that hot on my Yes history, but from the Yes album, um, part C of Starship Trooper, Worm, W-U-R-M. Yeah, the last minute is actually pretty reminiscent chord-wise and playing-wise of of the end of Feel the Benefit. That is, yeah, you're so right. Pretty much made the same observations I had a list for here. I'm just going to go. You guys got it covered. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I agree. In fact, just starting with that uh, Starship Trooper thing, in fact, right. the ending I kind of always thought of is Hey Jude meets Starship Trooper. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> with all, all the Ringo fills in there. <laughs> but yeah, the, the uh, let's see, Starship Trooper would be this. Uh, and it is the same relationship as that we have for Feel the Benefit. Yeah, that's something that yeah. I've always kind yes. of had a, a, a little uh, eye yeah, on. That's right. And, and Hey Jude, it's different chord relationships, isn't it? But they kind of they come back to the tonic chord, don't they, and stay on it? Yeah, but just more so in the feel and yes. the build. And again, with uh, Paul Burgess and a lot of the, the, the Ringo-isms on the toms. Yeah. Absolutely. There's some other Beatles nods as well, which we'll come into. Crikey, we've got so much to talk about. Okay. <laughs> but let's, uh, yeah, let's interesting on the on the on the influences. Um, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't shouted out of the room for. for... No, not not at all. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was a bit worried with this one uh, because I was the same way. There's a lot of things that remind me of other things, and I was a little worried about this being kind of like spot the influence or, you know, spot the similarities, which might you know detract uh, from what are a lot of original bits in this tune. But I'm with both of you. I do hear an awful lot of other things as I'm listening to this. Let's uh, let's go back if we can for a minute to the to the basics of this song. Um, you know the music we're going to talk about in a lot of detail, but let's if we can go back to the, the lyrical impulse. 
um, and the, the story itself. Is that is that cool? Sure. Please, please do, and I, I was really hoping that you'd have that for us, Paul. Oh, well, I've got some some notes, um, and you know, last week we found interestingly a lot of quotes from Eric about one night in Paris, um, and he speaks, you know, fondly of this song too, which, which isn't surprising. Um, so this song was was apparently inspired by his maternal grandmother, Mary Lonergan, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, from County Mayo in Ireland. She lived to till um, 96. Um, and he, he mentions that she had this, this phrase, feeling the benefit. Well, perhaps we'll go back to that in a minute, because even that needs to be unpacked. But the, the thing that struck me in, in the autobiography or the passage from it, which I reread, um, Eric actually says, this song is very close to my heart. It's based on my life story, hmm. which, I, which I found very interesting, but a little enigmatic. I'm not quite sure what that means, but it's clearly, you know, very, a very personal reading, this song, for, for Eric. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh. I, 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 the story rings a bell from his autobiography, Paul, obviously, but the, mm. that thing about it being his life story... Yeah, I um, I don't hear or feel Eric in in anything except that that first part of the first verse when he he kind of transposes um, the gram his grandma's role into a mother figure, doesn't he? If we all mm. went out without our shoes on, tell me where would we be? Where would we be? And then he flips it from the kind of very personal trivial to something really huge, and yeah. and I feel for the rest of the song, minus the Latin break, a Latin break. Sorry, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we'll come on to the rest of the song is very much a, a much more universal view, I think, where mm. Eric's looking at people around us who are less fortunate, and he's looking at things like racial equality, financial equality, homelessness, and all, all the rest of it. Am, am I talking bollocks, or do, do you hear what I'm saying? No, I hear exactly what you're saying, Sean. And and as we've said in the past, that's a through line which Eric's lyrics have have always dealt with back to what's it called my new day and age back in the 60s yeah. and, and on to his later um solo work you know? down by the palace and songs like yeah. that yeah even though those are kind of musically less distinguished perhaps but that's certainly yeah maybe his life story is 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 in the homespun bit of the first verse yes you know and then it kind of broadens out into the universal in in the third section, if you like, mm -hmm. and I re I really like the way it does that. But okay, Eric, I, I want to ask you this, Eric: the f the phrase "you won't feel the benefit" is that something that's crossed the Atlantic? <laughs> Did do you know that phrase? No. Ah, oh, okay. Right. So the, the pun is lost on you, then, Eric. It is. What is the pun, guys? <laughs> well, it's not so much a pun. Um, I, I presume the pun Sean, the pun of the song I'm talking about. I think the the the, the title of the song is a. Uh, a meaningful pun, but I'll come on to that. So, Sean, do you know, were you aware of the phrase, you won't feel the benefit? Oh, yeah, crikey. And it's always grandmas who say it, um, not yeah. not wanting to be ageist or sexist. But before you go out, Eric, on a cold day, if you walk around the house with your coat on while it's warm, you won't feel the benefit of putting your coat on just before you go out into the cold. Because... Mm. Um, because the difference in temperature is is massive. Paul, is that your yeah. understanding of it? Yeah, 
that that's exactly right but i don't i don't quite understand why he says and maybe i'm reading too much into this you went out on the street without your shoes on i mean then you're adding in the original use of this phrase, you're adding a protective layer too early. But here, you're kind of you're taking a protective layer off. I don't quite understand why, well, yeah, why it starts it, it like a, that. It is a bit weird, isn't it? It's like you won't. Surely, you, you want the benefit of wearing shoes. Yeah. If you've <laughs> got if you've got shoes, but the, I, I I get the reference, Paul. Even from that, okay. Um, right? Okay. Feel the benefit to me is, is is a very strong sort of childhood memory. I suppose as I've got older, the the, the more universal resonance of the title, you know, kind of rings louder. And call it a weak pun or not, I don't know, but it totally, for me, smacks of of the welfare system. Mm-hmm. And, and that this is a song about what we need to do um, to support people who are less well off in, in terms of through state benefits. Yeah. Right, because benefits is a key word. Again, yeah. Eric, I don't know whether that word is kind of logged in in the US, but you know that yes, the the you, the, you the, call it welfare, I guess. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's uh, got somewhat of a derogatory nature now. That term, welfare, mm, mm. Uh, we mm. do use benefits, but not they're not necessarily synonymous. Now, it's a good spot, Sean. I hadn't actually noticed that that word ties in with, you know, Eric's worldview or part yeah, of his well, worldview. That's, you know, that's only my take. But no, it, I think it, it's a good one, yeah. And, and you know, Eric always likes to, to put in a, a pun, a, a double, yeah, or right. at least a double meaning in, in titles. He's done yeah. it so many times. Mm, fascinating. Mm. Have we gone down a little cul-de-sac there? I'm showing off with my French again, aren't I? Can't we? I like the way lyrically the sentimentality is kind of held in check until near the end. I like the almost offhand lyric. Your number might come up, though the odds may be in favour of the house. Oh, that's my favourite, uh, possibly my favourite part of the whole song. It, it, it's almost throwaway, um, and then at last he moves into the kind of the platitude. If all the people in the world would say together, "We're all black and white. We're all day and night." If all the people in the world could sing together, how would it sound? What would we feel? We'd all feel the benefit. Well, mm. fair enough, because that is the the climax lyrically of the song. And if if you're going to make a universal statement, you you have you have to be straightforward in a way. And I think that really works. And it's a lovely swelling conclusion to to the lyric. Yes, so I no, I, absolutely. A, I think the, the the sentiments behind the song, Paul, are, are admirable and 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 wonderful. Actually, I mean, that final that final stanza uh, does stick in my craw a little bit. Because I, I, yeah, okay. I, I think it's the kind of thing that Kevin Godley would think past muster, but that's the difference. Eric Stewart is much more hand on heart than Kevin Godley, and mm. we can rely on Eric to sing from the heart. Um, mm. And I, I have to give him, you know, allowance to do that, and he does it brilliantly. So, d- despite the fact that I don't, I don't quite like those couplets because I think mm. they're just a little bit. A bit simpering, as Graham might say. Um, I think the sentiment wins out. Yeah, I think so. The the only other thing I'd say about the lyric is that 
a Latin breaks lyric don't seem to connect in any way, shape or form to the rest of the song and neither does does it musically, but perhaps we'll talk about that yeah. a bit later. Yeah. Doesn't uh, doesn't matter really, but in a way. But, well, I, I understood that pun at least. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and, and I can't wait for you to uh, explain that one uh, for us, uh, Eric. <laughs> Shall we go into the tune? Yeah, let's let's yeah. let's hear let's hear your dear Prudence, your Travis picking, Sean. My Travis picking. There's a there's a thing. What uh, really amused me, Eric, about this is that immediately I realised that uh, Graham who I, I assume is playing this intro. It sounds like he's playing. Um, yeah, he confirmed that. It's, he's playing a telecaster. Oh, it is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's um, he's borrowing two key tricks that we've covered in, in recent pods. One mm-hmm. one being a, a, a pedal note that goes all the way through, and yes. it's the lol fixed hand. Yes. So, yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here with my, my electric guitar and my fingers are poised nervously over the strings. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm making the, a D major shape, three fingers in a kind of a, a triangle shape. Um, and I'm starting on the seventh fret to play a sort of, a sort of G major with a D in the bass. Yes. And mm-hmm. that D in the bass is just going to keep ringing. Yeah, so I'm playing 7th fret, 9th fret, 5th fret, 14th fret, 12th fret, and then back to the 7th fret. So it's just badly played, apologies. It's a familiar trick, it sounds a bit like Dear Prudence, um, and it's very much the kind of thing Lowell would have have done on the piano. Yeah, Mm. yeah, well spotted with that. and you know, even more basically, uh, that kind of D pedal point is uh, very much the way the bass pedal is is most commonly played on guitar. Uh, in fact, Sean, that same shape that you mentioned, that's uh, and you and I as well from a yes. Oh yeah. yeah. And also, a lot of it is uh, give a little bit the end of Supertramp's mm-hmm. tune. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a possibly a, a favourite riff of guitarists. It was the very first riff I ever came up with because D major was the first and only chord I could play for the first year of my guitar playing career. <laughs> Age 12 yeah, to 13, D major was literally the only chord I knew. And I used to just go up and down the fretboard with it. Oh, it's so much fun. You're right, and there's tons and tons of tunes that do that with the, the D. I'll talk about the, the Dear Prudence connection in a second. Uh, sometimes, too, as you guys know, of course, is they'll take the, uh, the sixth string of the guitar, the E, and tune it down a whole step. Yeah. So you actually have two Ds to, to anchor. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I came across that, I think, first through that Yes tune, but then I started seeing it everywhere. McCartney loves it. Uh, Mother Nature's Son... Even in the middle part, there, there are some different shapes, but the same idea of the top three strings being yeah. uh, the, the major or minor chord with, with just the D. Even later in, in McCartney's career, something like um, Calico Skies, do you know that one? I don't know that one. 
Yeah, I do. Uh, I think it's from Flaming Pie. So it's it's fun. Oh, let me throw one in for the, the Canterbury fans out there. Uh, in the Land of Gray and Pink by oh, yes. uh, uh, Caravan. They uh, use that as well. Uh, so it's exactly the same wow. thing. Hey, Eric, now, just, just as, sorry, it's pointless trivia. Land of Gray and Pink was the very, very first thing I ever recorded on a multi-track machine. Some computer scientists at my u- uni... Uh, constructed a four-track tape recorder out out of a stereo machine, and they asked me to come and sing uh, "Land of Grey and Pink." There you go. Hey, fantastic! Beat, beat that for my new show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will by the end of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but dear Prudence, so why do we keep thinking about dear Prudence when we hear this? Dear Prudence is, of course, the as you were playing, also has the same uh, pedal D and a lot of the same shapes that we have with feel the benefit. But the sequence is different. Um, if I play, and and the the one thing that's that's cool about dear Prudence is the thumb is alternating between the lowest three strings of the guitar. While the upper three are playing those shapes that we've talked about. Now, I'll just hold here for a second. If I stop playing the lowest two notes, the lowest two strings, we have feel the benefit. Again, the sequence is, is uh, the difference in terms of the chords, but the pattern for the highest four strings is identical. Here again is Dear Prudence. Feel the benefit. Mm. So that's why we keep hearing that uh, people mentioning. In fact, ever since I first heard this song, like in reviews, and then later, of course, online, it always see Dear Prudence lumped in. Mm-hmm. And you can see why. It's, it's, it's valid. It's curious uh, why they decided to, I don't know if you guys have read any interviews, I haven't, regarding uh, this pattern and its similarity, just by simply choosing like a different shape, or I should say a different pattern, they could have avoided the similarity. You know, they could have done some other yeah. kind of way of breaking yeah. up the chord, even as simple as just going back and forth. But they hit upon that, and that's why we always think of Dear Prudence when we hear that introduction. Sure. But it still sounds marvellous, doesn't it? And um, with Graham's beautiful playing, uh, it, it's actually much more difficult uh, to do cleanly than it, than it sounds mm-hmm. uh, because the, the notes ring out and the movement up and down the fretboard can make it sound scruffy, but, but Graham doesn't do that. He's a really masterful guitarist. But the sound of that guitar is wonderful. It's been EQ'd in a similar way, I think, to the way the electric guitar was EQ'd on I'm Not In Love, where the the bass and middle frequencies are literally sucked out. So you've got that just that lovely, sparkly high register, which I think sounds really fantastic. And, of course, we, we're using that ADT effect, Eric, aren't we, that we heard on... On Paris, I was curious. It sounds like there is some delay on that too. Yeah, it could very well be the ADT. But you're right; it's a marvelous sound, yeah. and it's played immaculately. There's a lot of instances of of that automated delay. Yes, uh, that the, the Beatles 
used so famously. We're going to come across them frequently, actually, uh, in the course of this chat. I'll hold fire on them, I think, for the minute. Yeah, I just sort of, I'm interested to know where the intro stops and where it bolts <laughs> on to the start of Eric's song. I mean, I'm, I'm, we know for a fact Graham played this intro. I'm assuming he also wrote it. It was a piece he probably had lying around, maybe, and they kind of bolted it on the beginning to Eric's song. So it's sort of when the full band comes in or starts to come in with punctuation points, it's still kind of part of the riff. Any idea where, like, Eric's song begins? Well, I, I think of the beginning literally when we get to the vocal. Yeah. Oh. Well, in which I, I case think of it then, always. In which case that, the, I mean, the moment for me in the song is just prior to that where the, the arrangement starts to flower a few seconds before the vocal comes in. So that's, that's quite an important part of the song. What's, yeah, I, I, it, don't, I don't know who came up with the, that wonderful kind of, uh, it starts on a kind of e, an E minor seventh to my ears. Where we hear, hear Del Newman strings for the first time. Yeah. I don't yeah, know whether you I can think I know what you're t- Can you talk us through that bit, Eric, possibly? Yeah, um, and it's neat when the band comes in, we're reinforcing that D pedal point. Right. You know, know, later on, when we do this the second time, uh, the third section, they alter that little bit, which we'll get to. So that's really cool. And then we have... And then the little bass climb up... This is the part I think you're talking about, yes, Paul. Yes, it is. And I agree. It's gorgeous. And this is the, the bit that we've never heard anything on 10cc record that sounds like this, where the strings are just glorious. Do we want to talk about Del Newman? We sure do. We'll do a sidebar okay. on Del Newman. But, oh, de- but, definitely, because he's one of the. He's arguably the key feature of this track, isn't he? But, yeah, he's the unsung hero yeah. in this one. Just before we do that, though, can we? Can you explain what's happening musically? Because I don't think it's down to the strings. The beauty of the chords there is kind of built into the song anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the, the chords themselves are fairly straightforward, but why okay. I think it works so well is, is uh, Del Newman's gift. Um, rather than being an orchestrator who might just simply write a single line melody or counter line that's doubled by the instruments, as is common, he loves to do these uh, uh, multi-layered lines that are moving in different directions, different rhythms. So you, it's even hard to like pinpoint one on its own because they're just all overflowing. It's quite masterful. Um, I really can't do it justice on the piano, but I can at least play the harmonies for that. So after the bass climb up. And then the song proper begins. Yeah, yeah. So the that chords is, are that lovely. That's wonderful, isn't it, that mm-hmm. bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there, there's some minor sevenths and such, but they're not terribly out of the ordinary. Okay. But I don't know what it is about that. I mentioned before about maybe this track not having the magic of some of the previous ones for me, but this one, this bit comes awfully close for me. I really love it. And again, I would say that it's, it's really... Uh, a good 85-90% based on what Del Newman is doing with the strings. (laughs) 
think everybody listening to this podcast, like me, you know, will think, oh God, he did that one and that one and that one. And he, and he contributed to all these wonderful records in, in the 70s and after. Uh, first thing to say is that Dell sadly died last year, I believe, at the age of, of 90. Mm. Um, yeah. But um, he, um, he worked originally with Gordon Giltrap, of all people. I think he was his guitarist. Really? Um, but, yeah, but when you, when you look at um, his re- resume, it, it, it's quite stunning. I'll just go through some of the, some of the songs here or some of the, the albums he worked on. Um, for starters, there's Cat Stevens, I guess you'd call them the classic four albums. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I've never read it out, just read it. Monobone Jackon, is that? Jackon, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tea for the Tillerman, mm-hmm. Teaser and the Firecat, Catch Bullet 4. He, he did the orchestrations for Son of Schmielsen. Key for us, and probably why he got the gig with 10CC, he's uncredited, but he did the strings for Our Last Song Together by Neil Sedaka wow. on the Sedaka album. And he was the conductor for Band on the Run and Live and Let Die. So George Martin thought enough of him to hand over the baton to actually conduct the orchestra for Live and Let Die. Well, I never knew that, Paul. I know, I didn't know that till yesterday. Then there's the Daltrey album, those wonderful strings on um, Giving It All Away and others. Get this, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I think he only did the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album with Elton John because Paul Buckmaster wasn't available or maybe they'd fallen out or something, Elton and Paul. Mm-hmm. And he... And uh, Dell does the strings for Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Sweet Painted Lady, I've seen that movie too, Roy Rogers, The Ballad of Danny Bailey, and Harmony. Can uh, I just plus, pause for one second? Yeah, because you, you mentioned my favorite Del Newman arrangement, and that is The Ballad of Danny Bailey. Right. I adore the coda of that piece. Uh, what could have been just a quick fade out is turned mm. into something. Do you guys know that one? It's uh, mm. the yeah. end of the tune. Yeah, yeah. They have these ahs. Not this fast, of course. But then we have this coda section, which starts. And then Del Newman comes in with a series of these triplets. Etc., and it builds into something just absolutely spectacular. So that's my favorite Del Newman moment. I love the outro. At the end of that big outro, the piano does some triplets and it goes, and that was what I based the whole of the outro on. So I've got. Uh, the basses are sort of going, oh, oh. then I've got cellos and things going, and they're just the triplets that you that come in at the very end. So, in an, in another sense, you see, you pick up something that is relevant to the the basic thing, and then you try and build on that. Here we go, E minor, E minor. <laughs> That's a vocal cue from Elton to the band. Are you familiar with the 
documentary about Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Yes, and I know that Dell is, is interviewed, and if I remember correctly, Paul, he talks about that he got the inspiration for that based on something that happens within the body of the song that, that Elton plays. Am I correct with that? Exactly, and that yeah. just speaks to what he can do, because he heard something Elton was doing on piano, expanded upon it, and mm-hmm. brought, it, brought it in to life as the arrangement, and I think that right. is just in- incredible. Mm. Yes. Uh, and, and again, it's it's multi-layered. There's all kinds of lines moving on. It's not just simply the higher strings throughout. No, I right. agree. Yeah, I, I think Dale Newman adds such an added dimension to this track, and particularly it, towards the end of the first section. I think it's it's absolutely spectacular. Can I throw in an extra thing about yeah. what, what Eric has done? He's taken the wonderful sound of Del Newman's string section and, of course, the brass section, which comes in a little bit later, and mm. he's fed it through uh, a kind of Jeff Lynne filter. And I wanted to just kind of highlight a couple of things that have really struck me in the, the last week when I've been listening to this song a lot and sort of picking it apart with um, with, with different sort of processed mixes that I've, I've managed to come up with. But uh, I wanted to highlight something from an ELO album which I love and there's a trademark sound on there that um, I think Eric has has heard and got very very excited about. Uh, I want to play you this uh, because this is something that we hear in a less extreme way on Feel the Benefit. So Eric, what's your what's your reaction to that clip? Why have I played that clip? Do you think? Well, it's flanged. Mm. You know, it's got that sound. Um, gosh, I don't. Are you saying that you hear some flanging in in the in Field of Benefit? H- hugely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, gosh, it must be. It's obviously not quite as um, not heavy-handed. No, absolutely. Like no, a better no. term. But, but it, but it must be more subtle. No, it is absolutely uh, more subtle, and I can't decide actually whether it's flanging or or, or phase shifting. Eric, these things are are created. I think the Beatles were the first people to actually use flanging as a as an effect, and basically they took two identical tapes playing on identical machines, if you play them simultaneously and and deliberately slow down one of the tapes by just pressing your finger on the, on the rim of the tape, the flange, um, you create this kind of weird kind of wow, kind of a whooshing effect. Um, so the Beatles, I think, were the first to use that. Uh, and it's, a, it's frequently used on bass guitar and hugely used by... By by Jeff Lynne, yeah, um, yeah. The, the the phase effect is very very similar and works in a similar way, almost like a you're grabbing different frequencies of the sound and then shifting their frequency, so you get a kind of a wow. Um, and here is just to kind of put it in parallel, um, taken amusingly from the London Symphony Orchestra playing "I'm Not in Love" on the classic rock album from, uh-huh. from the late seventies. Um, and what I've done is I've gradually added some f- some phase shift to it to demonstrate what I think Eric is doing with the string sound on this track. So here we go. It starts off clean and then gets dirty. Mm-hmm. 
somewhere in the middle of that is yeah. what Eric added to the strings on this track, in my humble opinion. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, no, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. So if we listen to, um, if we take out the kind of majority of Eric's lead vocal, the bass, drum and snare, and we just hear uh, the strings in, in, in their sort of stereo glory, this is what they sound like. They don't sound like an orchestra record recorded pure. They, they've definitely mm. been processed. <laughs> I think they're cousins. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I, mm. I think it is, uh, again, subtle enough that I hadn't really thought of that. But boy, when you isolate them like that, you can hear mm. some stuff. It would also, is that going on to in that little atmospheric middle bit with the, you know, you know which part I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I call it, that's it, also sounds like there's some stuff going on there too. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, Paul, are you hearing that too? Yeah, I am now. I'd, I'd never noticed that before. That's really interesting. I. I'm amazed that Eric had the balls to or <laughs> to kind of futz with that incredible string sound and and uh, and what Dell thought of it because he wasn't the kind of guy to suffer fools gladly. Del Newman, he was <laughs> no. quite 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 to always made his presence felt. I mean, after working with George Harrison on this kind of uh, eponymous album in 1979, although it's a brilliant record, I think he said something like, I never want to work with that gentleman again. (laughs) Uh, But maybe that, well, I guess it was added in in post-production, wasn't it, that that, uh, processing? So fascinating. Absolutely. And um, you took the words right out of my mouth, Paul, saying that he he, he did kind of fuck up the beautifully pure sound of, of the orchestra. But it's certainly an unusual effect Unfortunately for me, um, the effect of, of phasing or flanging is that it kind of makes strings sound very, very middly, and it, it kind of takes out the sort of purity of the high notes and the, mm-hmm. and the deep resonance of the low notes. And mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons why I feel the benefit for me is, is a little bit sucked of oxygen, um, mm. where you've got this kind of extremely huge middle range in there, um, luckily, it's saved by some some lovely, powerful bass notes played by Graham, and some fantastic use of, of a very, very bright IQ to bring out the details of things like Graham's lead vocal, some wonderful acoustic guitar playing that kind of sits on top like icing, uh, which we'll, we'll come on to later, I'm sure. Um, but the, the strings are just, I think the knob is turned up slightly high on that effect for me, um, but it's a really, really colourful, unusual sound. Hmm. Just before we leave the strings, or if we're going to, um, do, can either of you, as a little uh, bonus point here, um, <laughs> do you know the, another Beatles connection down to the strings, basically? A Paul, um, a, Paul, just, a Paul McCartney track? 
Kind of. It's it's where they were recorded. Abbey Road. For this album? No, they weren't recorded at Abbey Road. They were recorded at Decca Studio One, which by then had been bought or leased, I'm not quite sure which, by the Moody Blues. It was called Threshold Studios. Mm. Obviously, Eric, a good friend of of Justin Hayward and and other guys out of the Moody Blues. And yes, they weren't recorded at Strawberry. They were recorded there in in London. Of course, that studio in West Hampstead is the same place that the Beatles failed their audition at Decca, <laughs> Decca Records on New Year's Day, 1962. So, you know, oh. yet another kind of Beatles connection. That was interesting. Oh, I Very love that, good. Paul. That's fantastic. Um, and another, briefly, another ELO collection. But before I let Eric, you, you kind of lead us through the tune. A huge debt to both the Beatles and to ELO, is that this track, I think, features most instruments and voices doubled in some way. Either they're they're double-tracked with two separate performances, or they're artificially doubled with what we call ADT. Um, And um, this is a, a famous example. If you listen to Lennon's vocal on this, you'll hear that there's a delay on it. You can especially hear it on the on the sort of uh, the hard uh, consonants that he's singing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Another producer who used it an awful lot was Jeff Lynne. But a crucial thing here is that famously the ELO drummer Bev Bevan used to overdub his drums, and almost no drummers ever do that. Here's an example. Let it ring good at it boys isn't he extremely good but i'm I think a little confused sean did you say that do they record the tracks without the kit and then he or just overdubbed certain parts of the kit? no he just he did his drum track and then overdubbed the same drum, okay. drum parts uh on, on top oh, that's of funny that. and that's the beatles would do that there's lots of like overdubbed snare <laughs> like um, mm. uh, lady madonna comes to mind if you listen in stereo you can hear absolutely like, overdubbed snare on one channel totally. while the and kit's of course, on the other we're sitting on a really famous example perhaps the most extreme of all time neanderthal man of course is kevin Guthrie <laughs> yeah. playing the kit you know 98 <laughs> yeah. times or something yeah. but but here's my strange premise here chaps i think eric is very very fond of that bev bevan sound so i think He's, he's borrowing from the Beatles uh, in order to create a Bev Bevan effect. Listen to the ah. drums on Feel the Benefit. I think the drums are fed through AD, ADT as well. And that is so unusual. I've never heard that on another 10cc track. Dr- drums with delay. When I listened to it, Sean, I thought that bit was just isolated to the snare. Are you hearing it on the other yes. uh, bits of the kit as well? Okay, yeah. yeah. All, all the way through the tune as well. Oh, fantastic, yeah. Wow. I, I agree, it's it's a striking effect. Yeah, and, and later that's on, so unusual. Yeah, and, and the Latin break, uh, mm. they're doing some kind of doubling with the, the hi-hat, that manic hi-hat that's in yeah. there. That's got to be a, a delay rather than Paul playing that uh, live. Yeah. 
Rick, would you would you be so kind now to sort of um, take us through the the song itself, at least the the main the first main section? What's what's happening? Oh yeah, happy to. Um, I think overall the the harmonies are pretty straightforward there's not a lot of unusual chords but like other 10 cc pieces the thing that is so neat about it is there are some unexpected uh tonal shifts where you're going to move to one tonal center or the other uh in the first part I'll highlight one thing that I, I can't recall if I've seen this before. When they get to... That's an augmented chord that doesn't resolve as it normally would just to a straight triad, but it resolves to a slash chord, which in itself is sort of a transitional chord. So I find that very unusual, you know. And then we... Uh, move on to a new tonal center here. If all the people in the world Some more slash chords. So good stuff. But like I said, nothing that's going to be necessarily 100% uh, unique, but nor does it need to be. It's got a great melody and there's a wonderful you know, vocal by Eric. So uh, then we also, of course, get to that bit with... Um, what are the words there? With the... You like yeah. a face behind the exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's very nice indeed. We talked a bit about how that also is reminiscent of the um, the Yes song of Starship Trooper. But I love. I don't. What do you think that is? Is that acoustic guitar that's doing the broken bit there? It's very oh, trebly and a strong attack. Yes, I, I I guess so. I've never really tried to isolate yeah, that. Yeah, it's that, neat. That the piano's. The applauding away, but that's a defining element there of having that little bit as well. So for the whole first section, I think it works very well, and we have a lot of uh, harmonic 10cc-isms with the shifting. Oh, it might be interesting just to talk a bit about uh, Eric's piano playing, because yes. I don't think we've done that before. I think it all works beautifully. Uh, it's very, very strong, very, very appropriate. Uh, one thing that's kind of neat, you know, again, in this sort of real geeky sort of level, is that you can you can often spot you know who is like the trained pianist and, and who might be playing piano as a secondary instrument, right. and that is um, that the, the 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 pianist with with some training tend to we love to connect chords very smoothly, just moving as, as little as possible and find a position that's going to be a, a smooth transition. Whereas those who may not have the formal training tend to favor what they're most comfortable with. So you hear a lot of this, of leaping to positions yes. and such, yes. in, often going back to the, the root, uh, unless they're playing a specific line. So I hear that with this track all the time. There's lots of like favoring one position over the other, and it creates a little bit of loop. So even if I wasn't familiar with the band, I would have guessed that this is not a, you know, th this is, would not be this musician's main instrument. 
that's very interesting. I didn't realise that you were talking there, Eric, I think, about the smooth way is kind of changing the shape of the chord into different inversions so that you're kind of moving the notes as little as possible. That's what you mean, isn't it? Exactly. I would have thought Eric is such a good pianist that he would sort of know that technique, but it sounds like he's, he's, he's not. He's just doing it instinctively. Oh. Well, let me just uh, clarify. He definitely yeah. does know because there's an awful lot of inversions and there are an awful lot of, of smooth transitions, okay. but okay. there's just as many of these leaps from okay. to root yes. position to root position and such, which is, again, it's quite appropriate. It works very well. It's just one of those little geeky observations yeah. that pianists are going to you know, spot. Really glad you brought that up, Eric, because... One of my slight reservations with the tune is that there, there isn't the richness of, of slash chords all over the place. It is very rooty. Do you think that's a deliberate nod to the Beatles, to, to particularly well, to John Lennon? It's got a, a, a fair amount of slash chords. Um, uh, it, it'd be hard to press to think of a, of a 10cc song that didn't. <laughs> like I said, going to slash there and then yeah. in the middle... All the people in the world. There's another one. Yeah. yeah. So, but but you, I think you are right, uh, Sean. If we were to kind of make a graph of this, uh, uh, I, I think you might see less of them because there certainly are bits that you're going to have an awful lot of, of straight ones. Um, well, it's, I don't know. It's just very beatly overall, as we've talked about. And um, yeah, it's hard to say. It, I guess it was appropriate for the song. That's just the way things evolved as they were composing it. Absolutely. And, and the, the bridge um, where, where Eric sings, again, with, with the ADT on, and he sings, you're like a cloud behind the sun, which I absolutely love. The chords there, I think, are, are extremely simple. I'm not sure if you've covered them in, in what you just said. No, not yet. Not really. They are. Um, by the way, this was one, ever since I first heard this song, and I heard the first two chords I kept thinking ELO can't get it out of my head yes in midnight we have that same suspension on the water even this one oh, yeah yeah you know what's the words there uh, you like a cloud behind the sun yeah, yeah so that's one that um <laughs> I've always associated, again, not to make this to spot the, the, the influences or the similarities, but that Dear Prudence and that one, uh, I heard the very, very first time I ever heard this song. They stayed with me, and they, they do to this day. Uh, but you're right. They are simple. Key of C. We've, we've shifted yeah. again. Mostly, and we just mostly white have, notes again, isn't it? Exactly. In fact, uh, I think pretty much we in C, and uh, talking before about um, favoring root positions, these are all root positions, A minor, G, here's a slash, moving down F, but then we leap up to E minor, another slash, yeah, and that, that's the whole thing. You're right, it's all white notes, and so it'd be very uh, easy to play. And I, spot, I spotted the ADT on this one as well. Uh, would this be the first spot uh, where the vocal is treated with ADT, Sean? It, it might be. Uh, on, on, the, um, on the track, no, I think Graham's Feel the Benefit, I think that's ADT oh. as well.
I do remember that. Oh, and there's one thing that's neat, too, about the arrangement that I like uh, when we get to the... Of all the people in the world. If you listen to the bass and the kick drum, they're doing something kind of proggy here. They're only hitting on the and of two, the and of four. They're doing the syncopated thing. Like this. All the entertainers in the world lost their music. Uh, of course, are, you would have are, are, are you looking at a different <laughs> section, though? No, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that neat? Yeah, it really very, is. I, I thought proggy. it was really unusual. What would they play? Yeah. What could yeah. They... The kick drum is with them, too, emphasizing it. Yeah. But the neat thing, and again, kind of a proggy thing, is when they come back to this in the third section, they change the pattern to just a simple one, two, and three, four. You know, one, two, and three, yes. four. One, two, and three. So I, I appreciate those little, uh, you know, changes to for, for variety's sake. Prior to that, his vocal is very central in the mix um, and quite sort of uh, dull sounding in, in a kind of a bloody tourist way, very mellow, in, in stark contrast to Graham's lead vocals on this record, which are incredibly uh, bright and, and EQ'd, mm -hmm. but very, very high register. So here the contrast now. But that's the one I was mentioning about the the hi hat that's out of control. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so fast. So he must have done a pattern, and they timed the delay <laughs> to just be in between. But it's also on the snare. You'll hear they do. Yeah, very cool. Definitely. And let's just hear that vocal effect on Eric's vocal. Extreme use of, of ADT and EQ there, isn't it? It makes for a, a, a lovely contrast yeah, to yeah. The, the, the section just before it, too. Uh, I, I think it's very effective. Before we leave section one, we've got to talk about that wonderful moment, just pure singing where Eric goes up and up and the, the colour of the grass is just the same on oh. the other side of the tracks. Just for, for league tables purposes, Eric, what <laughs> note does he reach there? Can you tell us? He hits, he hits an A and in, he hits in it a full couple voice. of times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that's marvellous. Uh, just the climb up from essentially steps going from a G below fiddle. Da, 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 yeah. Let's have a listen. What a yeah. vocal. Ah, 
That's it is, just marvellous. I, I love the... Um, we'll talk about the live iterations of this song a bit later, I think. But yeah. this is one of the moments where it, you just see it's kind of custom-built for the stage. <laughs> and uh, I, lo- I love those performances where it, he kind of throws his head back as he reaches those notes and can kind of bash the piano keys. It just, <laughs> you know, it, it's so cool. Sexy, you know, uh, definitely. Yeah, we've got, we've, we all I, have man, man crushes on Eric. Oh, God, <laughs> haven't we all? I would say this begins what I think is my favorite little section of the piece. I think what happens here into the string break, into that mysterious section, yeah. into the guitar solo with strings right up to the point where we make the transition uh, that's i think that's my favorite section of the whole piece i just M- think mine it, too it, it, mine too Nailed it sustains on. yeah it, it it just really sustains that emotion and mm. that intensity uh, while still changing flavors along the way it's, it's my favorite uh, section of the song I agree wholeheartedly on that one. Before we go into that section, can I just highlight um, three little Easter eggs? You know, I, I mm. like I like finding Easter eggs. One of them is one that we both talked about on email, Eric. Uh, but it's it's the <laughs> it is the quietest and subtlest Easter egg in the history of recorded music. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, Paul, I'm not sure if you've ever picked up on this one, but Eric and I have spotted an R or an R. Um, <laughs> Hidden around, uh, uh, literally a minute into the tune. Have a listen to this, uh, about five seconds into this clip. So just just as it changes into the into the next sort of movement, there's mm-hmm. a there's a sort of a ah. Oh. Any thoughts? It is there, isn't it, Eric? It is there. And not only is it there, but when they do the third section, they come back to this, it's there again, which shows they obviously use the same guitar recording. They didn't redo it. Maybe it's just Graham coming to the end of this section, the end of the guitar, and just did a little vocal, uh, uh, that's it, you know, yeah. I don't know. But it, 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 it does mark the end of that one section before the strings take over. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like just an accidental color that was thrown in. Here's something mm-hmm. else that is definitely not accidental, but I think it's lovely. Um, having a look at the credits for the tune, uh, it's interesting that Eric's credited w- with playing the Moog, which I think we can hear twice on the track, and I think this is the first time uh, we hear what could be a Moog. Have a listen to this. It's a minute. Again, it's it, from the same section I've just played. Have a listen to the single very very high pitched notes that play kind of syncopated with the rhythm have a listen on the offbeat on the offbeat it might be 
Initially, I thought twelve-string guitar, but I think it sounds a little bit more keyboardy. One more listen. I I think it's either a Glockenspiel or a Celeste. Yeah, is it part of the orchestra overdub then? Yeah, I yeah. I think it's part of the orchestra, Sean. Yeah. Yes, it's kind of, it's also, got a triangle, a kind of a triangle sort of yes. sound to it, hasn't it's it? It's got a percussive sound. I think it's more organic. I think it's either a Glockenspiel or perhaps a, a Celeste if they have that the, the keyboard, but. Uh, that I can also hear, that's on the right channel, there's also piano uh, on the left channel there that's very quiet too, that just helps to sort of anchor things with these long notes. Yeah. Um, and that's in addition to, like I said, these, I think there's three separate string lines going on there. It's a marvelous section. I adore that section too. It, it's really, really beautiful. And and that that plinky sound is an illustration of what I think is a, a Eric Stewart's masterful use of the of the kind of audio spectrum what he's mm-hmm. brilliant at is giving us literally all the frequencies so you've got um extreme high pitch stuff but going right 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 down so you've got the whole richness of the spectrum <laughs> uh, i'm going to admit someone to the meeting chaps oh, okay because uh, I thought it might be nice. I saw the name flash up. The, <laughs> the secret's out. Yeah. Hello. Sorry. Graham. Well. Hey, Graham. <laughs> How are you, sir? Been too long. It really yeah. has. What, what, you know, what we've been doing. We should have been chatting all this time. <laughs> yeah. Are you well, Graham? Yeah, good. Yeah. Really good. Very nice to meet you, Graham. Very nice Hello, to meet Eric. you. Nice to meet you, too. You freak! <laughs> In the nicest possible way. Oh well, yeah, taken as that. Wow, this is such a treat. Yeah, I thought you'd My be. Goodness. I thought you'd be chuffed uh, with that yeah. one, Eric. Yeah. Oh, marvelous! But uh, marvelous. well, I, I just have to say one thing, Graham. Just a quick little fanboy. Thank you <laughs> for all the music. Uh, Long time fan. So this is just fantastic. <laughs> it's very nice of you. Thank you. And uh, thanks ever so much for joining us, Graham. And sorry for the for the late notice okay. on it. No worries. And uh, just wanted to surprise you, boys. We're only just into the the end of the first section of Feel the Benefit, Graham, which is quite apt timing, really, because your 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 big bits coming up shortly, <laughs> but, um, among many. But uh, we we just talked about some lovely musical touches um, that uh, that you added. They're so so subtle you can barely hear them on the on the record. But we've tried to kind of isolate some beautiful bits and pieces from Del Newman's orchestral parts, oh, yeah. uh, etc. Right. And we've got lots to ask you. Are you okay. happy just to kind of go with us for a, for a few minutes before we kind of throw the ball into your courts? Of course. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm dying to know about this. It's uh, you know me. I'm I'm such a geek for these things. Eric and I were both talking on email about um, some an obvious nod back to a 10cc classic here, uh, and there there are a few instances on this record where we hear this 
wonderful, thick vocal sound. That's one. Yeah, so Eric and I obviously were thinking, God, can that be the I'm not in love vocal samples? It could be, but I don't hear much of, of Kevin and Lowell there. How about it might be the same sounds that Graham used on this? This girl's on the road to nowhere She wouldn't say but another day there It's not the role she's decided to play Yeah, and that is an electronic sound. It's from, from the synth, isn't it? So, hmm. Gra Graham, we, yeah. have to, we have to throw that out to you and say, that is a wonderful sound. Did you go in and, and, and redo the I'm not in love vocals? I, I'm not sure that we did. I think we just did it... We just did it again, and let, let me hear it. Let me hear it again the, from the from the feel the benefit trap. Of course, because I'm sure I can hear your voice in the mix, Graham. Yeah, but I'm not entirely convinced. That's got a ring of "I'm not in love" to it, and here's the here's that the A major chord that leads you into a Latin break. That sounds yeah. too 10cc, doesn't it, to be an electronic effect? It's not an electronic effect. Um, we, I think, and I could, could be wrong on, on anything I say about this because it's such a long time ago. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, certain things I remember very clearly, but I think we just did it, you know, just recorded it. Just did, mm. ah, yeah. you know, did it for, yeah. I don't think we used any of the loops. I think we just did it. Okay. You mean you, you and Eric just went back and multi-tracked some, some yeah. harmonies? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Am I right, Graham, that there were some songs where those tape loops were reused, like on the original soundtrack? Is that correct? We have used, I mean, we've used loops, various loops of other instruments as well. Mm. I remember we did, a, we did a whole lot of harp loops at one point, but I don't think we ever used them, actually. But I remember us getting a harpist in and driving a mad <laughs> <laughs> there are other there are other songs i'm sure that we we used um the r's loops on um but we didn't you know but on this on feel the benefit I, my feeling is that I, it is we just re-recorded right oh, interesting yeah 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 that is really interesting so th yeah. but it's that it sounds like an awful lot of overdubs well, we weren't scared. No, absolutely. <laughs> and you had a lot of tape. Uh, uh, but there, is so, there are so many instruments and so many vocals on this track. Um, yeah, it, it must have been an, a, 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 you know, a bouncing monument, really, wasn't it? Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. We talked a lot about Del Newman's contribution to this. Yeah. And I'm curious uh, how he was brought into the process and like how much uh, direction did you give him in terms of, uh, you know, we, we need something here, we need something there. And we, did you possibly play some sample little lines of what you were going for? I think we just gave him the track and let him go with it. Mm. I actually was away when the session was done. Eric did oh. the session, um, attended the session. Um, I wasn't there, but I, there was no brief 
that I remember other than just do your thing because we knew his work and uh, <laughs> liked it. Yeah, we think it's brilliant and it yeah. adds such a lot to this track. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was a, it was a good call to add real strings. It wasn't mm. something we did lightly. I must sure. say. What what were, mm. what were your thoughts, Graham, when you first heard the playback from the strings? Gra- I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Yeah, there's something about hearing someone else's take on what you've created, um, and it brings out different different things you know like uh, the chord sounds slightly different you know because the accent's more on a on a on the major third or the minor third or mm. something like that that you go oh that's lovely you know sure uh, i um eric and i were, were just before you joined us graham we were talking about how much we love the sort of minute or so before a latin break where it goes into slightly weird territory um, where you've got some some fabulous chords being thrown about. Yeah. Was that was that more from from your pen than than from Eric? Uh, yeah, I think there's a kind of like a flattened fifth thing going on. Yeah, yeah, that. very very diminished thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I, I love all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do too. Yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a flattened fifth person. I'm not afraid of a flattened fifth. I can tell you. You, you don't look flattened fifth tonight, Graham. You look quite chirpy, to be it honest. It's a brave man to use a flattened fifth, I think. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, it's it's the mark of the devil, isn't it? So yes, they say. It's yeah. That's right. It is. <laughs> but uh, Eric, you were going to talk about that wonderful kind of diminished e section, weren't you? That oh, with, yeah, um, yeah. There's some just... wonderful sounds in it as well. Can I just I was play saying, you a play you a, a little bit, and then and then I'd love Eric to just talk about it. Uh, okay, yeah, I call it the dulcimer section. Uh, I, I know there's not a dulcimer on it, but I just love it. Maybe Eric's, oh. Eric's Moog, maybe there. And, and, and maybe I think the phaser or flanger just being played yeah, as well. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, the things we, we talked about earlier too, Graham, how we love the little touches of, say, your bass along with Paul's kick drum, doing things like one, two, and three, four, bada, yeah. And here I'm finding the same thing that bump, 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 bump. Bum, 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 bum. It's a really neat yes. little effect. And then you have that lovely up and down line. And I just adore this resolution into the guitar solo. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And then again, we have Dell's string arrangement where we have multiple things going on. I think it's just an absolutely stunning part of the track. Mm. I, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it works really well, particularly as you say, the way those goes into the next section. It's beautiful. That's something that I, I I love that I hear a lot in in the 10 CC music. In fact, in the first section, we have that after the we have that lovely boop, 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 leading into the string section there yeah. and gosh yeah and there's lots of little bits in 10 cc music that has those ascending lines that get you into the new section very effective yeah it's good <laughs> yeah really nice yeah thank Brilliant. you yeah does this bring us beautifully to a latin break a latin break yeah boom, boom, boom. 
Now, that, that, Graham, am I right in thinking that that was a kind of piece you had during How Dare You that wasn't used? It's possible. I mean, that song is really, should have been called, you know, Feel the Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> there were all bits and pieces of songs that we'd never completed. Um, and then, obviously, links and things were written to suit, um, mm. you know, what we, what we were doing. Um, but I mean, I had like the opening guitar riff, the down, 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 that John Lennon thing. I'd had that for ages and ages, mm -hmm. right? Waiting right. to find a home, mm -hmm. and then it just when we'd written the field benefit track, we we just thought that that's got to be got to use that. Ah, fabulous! Don't you just love as well that um, I'm not again? It leads into another question, really. The way a Latin break happens, Graham, you've got that, you've got a, a long stretched A major chord from the, the I'm Not In Love vocals, and then it, it bangs straight into a Latin yeah. break. Had you always seen it like that, or did you literally insert a Latin break into the track? I think, if memory serves, we wrote the whole thing before. It wasn't like we wrote the first section and went, well, what should we do now? <laughs> right. I think we had it generally planned out ah um that's how i remember it yeah okay mm. because because that section is so seamlessly put together actually that that makes sense but i, I think we were always very good at going from one section to another when the sections are very very different from yes. one another yeah oh, very much so there's a kind of a um I think it's a kind of an art to that. I mean, say even like I'm Mandy Flammy is a good example where there's all these definitely different parts and yet they all seem to work together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yes, the Beatles were very good at doing that and all. <laughs> True, yes. <laughs> we've, uh, we've mentioned the Beatles several times tonight, Graham, actually. You'd be surprised to know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I thought I'd throw something up here on screen. I hope you can see it. It's just yeah. a, a scan from the, the record sleeve. It's something I only noticed the other night was that, um, that the middle section of the song is called A Latin Break. And uh, it wasn't until I got my guitar out that I realised why it might it, be called A Latin Break. It wouldn't happen to be in A, would it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheeky that, Graham, cheeky. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's a bit like I bought a flat guitar tutor, isn't it? Which <laughs> yeah. was on the same record, of course. So that was a sort of same thinking. Yeah. I love that. The great thing about that song is responsibility. Yeah, it's the only song you. <laughs> I bought a flat. You're, well, I love denied. You're denied person to see. That is very clever, clever, isn't it? That isn't it? Yeah, I love we that. love yeah. it. We love yeah, it. Yeah, we love it, and it, and it's it, it's really sure, and it it's um. It's the clever song because you don't have to know or remember the chords. You can just like yeah, exactly. You know, you don't have to write them down. Idea. So yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's it's genius. It's but, genius. But even on the lyric sheet, Eric and Graham couldn't resist mentioning another chord, could they? In this one, you know, a talk us, Eric, through uh, Latin break. What are, what are you hearing on that on that fine piece of music? Oh well, it's just it's fun. It's just uh, you know a pastiche of uh, a lot of different. I think uh, Caribbean and Latin American. Uh, music's uh, just that syncopation. Dun, 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 dun. 
Yeah, it, it's fun. Uh, moves from A to D to G before we get to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that. I like that. Whole, I, I love it. And I love the fact that that one's full of those little offbeats on the piano or what yeah. sounds like. Well, uh, to, to me, Graham, it sounds like there's there's a Wurlitzer in this section, ah. but during the earlier part, it sounds like there's a Rhodes. So yes. I, I'm not sure if you used to have both of those in the studio, but I'm hearing both the Rhodes and a Wurlitzer. I think Eric played all the keyboards on that track didn't they mm, yeah. i haven't looked at yeah. the credits um but um yeah yeah then you have this lovely section with the um, right which yeah. is is sort of like a, a little twist on the classic it's wonderful and it's so authentically latin isn't it as well that's why i love the it. percussion in that i love all the added percussion yeah. in, that, in the section so there's also kind of a downbeat thing yeah absolutely really good can i, I can right. i play you some of paul's work on, on this track we've not mentioned paul really so far but no I've, well paul's great yeah paul's i think this fantastic. is i think this is his best work with 10cc <laughs> That's worthy of Carlos Santana, isn't it? It, is. it really is. <laughs> well, oh. w- hopefully I'll be seeing him soon. I should t- I'll tell him what you said. What? Oh, by, by the way, you mentioned <laughs> no. Carlos Santana. Uh, Frank not Zappa. Carlos Santana, by the way. You see, I think you, you meant Paul, Paul. <laughs> Paul Burgess, not <laughs> oh, Carlos Santana. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. But with Carlos, uh, uh, Frank Zappa refers to those chord changes as the Carlos Santana secret chord progression on one of his albums. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> reminiscent of the early Santana stuff which I absolutely adore. Yeah, yeah. Check out some of this uh, funky bass playing on that section. I love this. It's very subtle um, and as usual Mr. Goldman doesn't overdo it. It's just beautiful. <laughs> Sexy, isn't it? Well, the good the good thing is, of course, the good thing is where Graham doesn't play. That's the key to that, isn't yeah. it? He's only, uh, is uh, it? Yeah, you're only you're only playing uh, for like a quarter of the time, but that that's why it works so well. Yeah. I guess. Well, but the, the the spaces are very important. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, it reminded me a little bit uh, of um, of Baron Samedi, Graham, where. Mm. Th- that lovely break where you're not playing, yeah, it, you're not you're not shredding the bass or anything. You're just playing little licks, aren't you? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm sort of hovering above the the, the break and then sort of diving right. in and diving out. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
definitely. Um, now, big question for you, Graham. Is this you playing lead guitar? bet that was I can you. Confirm, I can confirm that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is you. It's got, it's got your sort of syncopated, yeah. um, funky, clean And it's also the feel. sound. I mean, Eric, Eric's guitar is always very sort of more thick sounding, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I always use a Stratus. That's a, an old Stratocaster I'm using there. Yeah. That's mm. my guitar of choice for it. You know, oh, nice. Stuff. Yeah. So that's... That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely, and I love the syncopated offbeat thing that you're doing there. Yeah. It's, it's very underrated that solo, and it's a bit, kind of semi lost on the on the track. Yeah, it's a lovely bit of work. It's it's something that I had highlighted to discuss as well. I love that little bit. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's so syncopated, isn't it, Eric? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Is, was that the same guitar, Graham, that you played on, like the intro? Because that was also a that, that no. was you. Oh, okay. I know. I know specifically the the guitar played on the intro was a Telecaster. Ah, Telecaster. Right. And that okay. one in that part, I'm, I'm sure, is a Strat Stratocaster. Right. Okay. Ah, okay. Graham, it, a big question. This, and it might it might not be of any importance to you personally, but I, I'm sure it is to to the three of us. A Latin break doesn't fit at all does it to the song but i i kind of take it as a, a sort of dream sequence have you ever thought about this no because <laughs> the whole thing is kind of like a stream of consciousness lyrically um i mean you know where the title came from yes from eric's grandmother is that right no my mother oh oh, oh okay yes yeah, so my mum when I used to come in from the cold, when I was a little lad, my mum used to say to him, take your coat off, because when you go out again, you'll feel the benefit. Right, yes. And right. I mentioned this to Eric, and we were talking about, you know, what mums say to look after you, you know. And that's what, that's how the that's how the whole thing started. Mm. Um, mm. But lyrically, it was just like just coming out with stuff and not really thinking about it too much. Which I think mm. is part of it. It's why it kind of works. I mean, okay. we've we've written quite a few songs like that. I mean, I'm Andy Flyme. People have told us what that song's about. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Rather than you know what it is really about, which is not really about anything. I mean, when <laughs> yeah. Kevin came up with the first verse, it was like, "What the hell?" But it sounds, it feels <laughs> right, doesn't it? So let's do it. <laughs> this is nice to hear, Graham, because we, in our naivety, had kind of assumed that it was different bits. This song that was bolted together, but it sounds like there were you actually sat down with Eric and, and co-wrote a lot of the thing. Is that right? Yeah, it wasn't sort of separate bits that that he and I had written. It okay. was. Um, I mean, there were some. There might have been odd bits, you know. Yeah. But but um, it wasn't like here's a whole song and. We can't use that part of it, but let's use that part of it in something. Yeah, as far as I remember, anyway. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So, kind of almost like a, an anything goes sort of thing. 
Yeah, but what was happening was we kind of got on the right track of it, which is like what what happens when you're writing a song or, you know, creating a song, Mm. that something happens and one one part begets another part Mm. and a lyric and another musical idea and it just seemed to flow. So there'd be part bits that we, as I said, that we had, and I don't remember all the disparate parts of it, you know, like necessarily who did what, but, you know, sometimes you're writing a song and you can go, I wonder what to do next. And you remember a part of a song that you wrote six months ago that you never used. And you go, yeah. oh, I'm going to use that bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yes. do that all the time, mm-hmm. right? all mm-hmm. the time. Of I'm course. writing and I'm going, oh, what's going to come next? Oh, yeah. Remember that little riff I came out with? That'll fit just nicely here. Yeah, mm. um, but look at look at Kevin and Lowell somehow dredging "Cry" from their memory from you know fifteen years earlier. Correct. Yeah. Who cares? Absolutely. <laughs> Graham, to sorry to cheapen the conversation a little bit. I just wanted to throw some silly stuff at you. I, I want to know what you mean by swinging your bolus. Um, In a red bandana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, these are some great, great lyrics. Listen to this. You can walk on the water. Okay, so swinging a bolus in a red bandana. <laughs> I think it's something to do with. Uh, I'm not sure if it's. It. I, I get the feeling it's something to do with a bullfight, but a bolas ah. is like I think a uh, like a ball of some sort, and a red bandana oh. is a red bandana. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Right. Right. Got you. Got you. I don't know why the protagonist is swinging his bolas in a red bandana. <laughs> Taking your chances with Senor Rita, not a Senorita, but Senor Rita. I love that. It's clever. I think, That's clever, uh, that. I think it's a, I quickly must say it's Senorita. What, like, <laughs> like a girl? Senor, you're, you're talking about a transvestite or something. <laughs> no, on the lyric sheet, it, it makes it clear that Senorita is a male. Oh, does it really? It does, I, well, yeah. I had no idea. Oh, there they go. That's a typo. Oh, that's absolutely. Oh, there you go. Yeah, how very current, you might say. Yeah, absolutely. But the gender fluid <laughs> angle is, is is not relevant. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm thinking of a bullfight, but anyway. Yeah, I do. Yeah, but um, it, yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? Because it's all part of the creative process. And the, the, this track, Graham, was clearly just a lovely melting pot of ideas wasn't it yeah it's not it's non-specific you know it's i, I like the, the idea of something allowing you you to decide what it is kind of thing rather mm-hmm. than us saying specifically i went to rio and i we went to this place and that place and i met this person and did that yeah rather it's more but as i say like more stream of consciousness definitely and then were, were you excited to get this one played live because it seems to me it was like i'm not sure it was but it seems custom built for the stage we said it's, yeah it, it just kind of did you think wow this is going to be fantastic live it's just got that thing about it yeah yeah and and it and it worked out i mean we've we've been doing it um well since the mark two and 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 now and and presently we we do it and it's always 
one of the things that people always say, you know, like, are you going to play Field yeah. of Benefit? Are you going to do that? It's, a, it's yeah. a, as I described it once in a, a newspaper, like one of the music magazines, I described it as a substantial item. <laughs> 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 you don't have many of them to the pound. No, exactly. Yeah. The, the postage yeah. would be fucking horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, where, where did, where or when did the bass solo uh, arrive? Was that something that you thought just for the stage, or was that something you wanted to put in the recorded version, or how did? Because right from the, I think right from the first live performances, you, you had your bass solo there before Eric's guitar solo. <laughs> It just felt right, you know. I'm the, I yeah. mean, I'm not a sort of. Uh, I don't push for things like that unless they're appropriate, and I just felt that would be a. Oh, definitely. There's something about those chords at the end; those three chords um, that are really fantastic to play to. Yeah, they just roll, don't they? They roll around, around. Yeah, yeah. I've used those chords in other things. I can't bring it to mind exactly, but I, you know, that's that's my uh, that's my sequence. Do it. So at the very end of the song, yes. We'll probably be out of sync, but it's lovely playing with you, Graham. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Yeah, we, we made obvious parallels with Hey Jude there, Graham. Is that fair? Do you think? No, it wasn't conscious. Okay, but, but, but it's not but, the same chords. Yeah, no, no, no but, it, but, it, but it's it's that cyclic anthemic thing, isn't the, it? Yeah, it's a cycle thing. You know, um, mm. yeah, it it is came from the same creative idea well mm. if you like but mm. um it wasn't a conscious thing but yeah in retrospect it is mm. how did that, that one come about graham were, were you and eric just jamming around it for hours and hours and and what, just the, what that that end those, section do you remember how can you what, what comes to I, mind I when you think of that? i had the chords and, and we knew we were going to put the it felt really good to do to play to. So mm. it's one of those things like um, you can play anything. Any old shit, and it'll sound great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, within reason. Yeah, but um, but Eric throws some some lovely shit at that, doesn't he? I, I, yeah, the, that's my favourite of his guitar playing actually on that end section. Yeah, I had this idea that I wanted him to play. Right, like oh, really yes. oh with the echo, yeah. yeah. And what we did, we we didn't have the piece of kit to do that with. We did it with tape, oh. like a really long. So he play, and then it would repeat going no. into the into a um, 
uh, stereo, uh, you know, machine. Yeah, to a channel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, Graham, I, I was going to ask you about that because it's, it's puzzled it's me for really years. Long, it's a, there's a really yeah. long delay. It's so unusual. Yeah, you should hear that. I thought it's it was so a separate striking. part. Um, no, no, it's... Uh, have you got that part? I have, yeah. I'm just going to play it. It's the very start of the solo. It's the first two parts. Yeah, it's the same part, Wonderful. just delayed. It's because it is. It's, it's, it's just recorded and then yeah. it's playing back. Wow. Magic. Magic. Yeah, love I love it. And yeah. I always always wondered about that. I always thought, why is it so quiet, that second bit? But it's it's, it's because it's a delay. <laughs> it's a bloody delay, oh, isn't God. it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a repeat echo. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Really long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, I love the way Eric's playing on that outro. It's not overdone, yeah. is it, Graham? It's, 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 it's really subtle. It's also very subtle. laid back. So yeah. everything is really, like, beautiful tasteful yeah mm. and then it does not then it's quiet and it's like da, 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 da. wow yes yeah it's great it, just like you were yeah. saying before about is the, the spaces in between the notes are, are yeah. often as, mm. as, as well, important as because also the chords are just you can just get off on the chords themselves yes. yeah. it's really like the chords of the thing in a, in a mm. way yes definitely so the little yeah. solo things are like just just colouring in a little bit of the what what the chords are saying. Absolutely, but but Graham, don't forget your auto harp. Tell us about that. Oh yeah, I love the auto harp. Yeah, I, I used to have two. I've got two of them. I don't know where the hell they are now. <laughs> is is the is that auto harp or is yeah, that? I think it is. Yes. Oh okay. I'm hearing the scrapey tune. Uh, the scrapey sound. I'll, I'll oh, play. I do. I do hear that too. I was just curious about Paul and I were talking about it earlier. If that was an acoustic guitar or uh, that little bit, uh, I can't quite tell what it is. Can we hear that bit? Yes, of course. Uh, on the very end, um, yeah, it, it could be an acoustic guitar, but I wondered if it was an auto harp as well, Eric. Uh Yeah, I hear 12-string guitar there, maybe played really high. It's not a 12-string, but it's, it might be, I can't remember what the hell, it might be auto harp, or it might be like a couple of acoustics, uh, like played high up. I'm not sure uh, is the answer. Mm. I, can't, I can't say definitively. You can hear the auto harp doing the flying junk thing. Yeah, they sound. Yeah. And Eric's doing the same panning trick as well that he did on Flying Junk. Yeah. And Mandy, some and good, Mandy good as well. There's at the end there as well. Definitely. Isn't it? Yes. Beyond Ringo on, on that uh, end section. Speaking of Paul, Graham, can we be cheeky? And it, you said you were going to see him shortly. We've been trying to get in touch with Paul. And well, I hope, much... I, I hope I'm going to see him. Oh, okay. We'd very much like to invite him onto the podcast, but but uh, we haven't been able to get in touch with him. So I wondered if you if you do see him, uh, if you could just put in a word for us. Obviously, it's up to Paul. But uh, you want me to persuade him? Yeah, <laughs> twist his arm <laughs> if if you if you can. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I will do that. 
Thank you. Because we had a lovely chat with Rick, or two chats with Rick, who was absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, you should um, definitely speak to Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul's been there through the whole. Yeah, thing. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would be my. So you've if... never, you haven't spoken to him at all on your podcast. Not Paul, no, no. Um, so that would be that would be Ace if you could. All right. Yeah, I'll have a word. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, Sean's disappeared for some reason. Not quite sure why. Yeah, he said he had somebody coming round. He sort of kept your identity secret, Graham. He, Sean said, oh, I've got somebody. He said, I've got somebody, somebody coming round the house at six o'clock, dropping something <laughs> off. And then he, dis- then he disappeared and, uh, and you turned up. So that was, that was ace. say thank you so much graham for giving us some my pleasure you know, oh. brilliant insights on feel the benefit i'm sorry you know it was quite a long time ago so <laughs> some things uh, aren't quite clear but no it's wonderful it's been it's wonderful. so wonderful to have you graham and thank you ever so much for for popping in tonight can i just ask you where where does feel the benefit sit for you in the in the 10cc canon do you see it right up there yeah i do yeah i think it's um I think it's right up there. Um, we were very proud of it, you know, when we did it. We mm. we, we thought it was really something, and um, both, you know, we've always done it on stage, and I'm still doing it on stage, and it's something that people always want to hear. So mm-hmm. it's kind of stood the test of time, and yeah. it's always great to play it. And it's it, it when it finishes, it's it's incredible. <laughs> people go mental yeah, <laughs> yeah because <laughs> rightly the, the, so bloody hell. well the, the the finish is interesting because it builds up all that momentum and then it deliberately so stops dead doesn't it mm. and you don't you don't have a buffering thing of a fade or a big finish it just kind of cuts out and you're left uh suspended or something yeah this, yeah no, it's, a, you know. it's a weird thing i'm not that to be honest with you on the record i'm not that crazy about that now it's too okay maybe I, my you know, I think your musical sensibilities shift a little bit, maybe as you get older. Mm, right. But there's something about that. It was a little bit like it's a bit cheeky, but not in a good way. So, okay. Unfortunately, I had nothing I could do about it. <laughs> no, I guess not. Maybe if we were making the record today, I, I wouldn't have that. Okay, okay that's uh, interesting. But anyway, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I do too, and I, I think the fact that you have the little reverb tail—it's not as abrupt as say, like the end like Beatles, of like, side one I, of I Abbey want you, Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not like a cut off. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it does kind of yeah. feel like it resolves, and then just decays. So it, it it doesn't feel too abrupt to me. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, a fabulous piece, Graham, and it's been a, a real treat that you. Uh, to have you join us on one of our deep dive chats, we've only done <laughs> we've only done three so far. We did a whole podcast about natural wonder. You won't be surprised to hear that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> and that we was did great. that got such a great reaction. Oh, uh, it really did. It we did, were thrilled yeah. to thrilled to bits. And um, uh, we did uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had a chat about uh, one night in Paris. Right. We, uh, we right. went we went down some proper rabbit holes on that one. You can you can, <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, now, Eric, you like Eric, you like that chord, don't you? The lull chord. <laughs> I do indeed. Come on, let's let's have it. Let's, let's have a lull chord. It. Come on. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's I mean, kind of again. like a, it's kind of like, it's like a. Yeah, yeah, like a. Yeah, you're doing the C over F, right? Yeah, it's fourth it's, in exactly. the base, right? Right, yeah. right. right. Yeah. yeah, C over F. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just Beautiful. adore it. I have used and, it myself. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious, of course, if, if at the time you were consciously aware that that chord kept on popping up in songs. No, but it was just part of, I guess, never thought of it that it kept recurring. It was just part of Lowell's style. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was a fantastic keyboard player. Yeah. Mm. Well, mm. I, I didn't mention this, but in a way, he was one of my teachers. I mean, when I was growing up and learning the piano, I would be obsessively listening to those recordings, trying to figure things out. So I, I learned a lot from what Lowell was doing on those recordings. So yeah, I owe him a, 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 a big debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Very absolutely. good. Absolutely, Eric. Sorry that I um I, I missed a, a couple of minutes. Um, of your chat with Paul earlier on because I was texting Graham just to make sure he was okay to delay his Mm -hmm. entrance a little bit. Do I detect um, Eric and Graham throwing in a a, a kind of a little lol magic chord during this song? I I detect two F sharps in there that kind of are placed, they they come unexpectedly. Am I Well, there is the one in the beginning. The second chord. Yeah, which is just really a triad, a, a major chord, but Eric is singing Without the dominant Without the bass seventh. underneath. Yeah. Um, right, it's And then that lovely the... chord where, uh, to pacify the crowd, and I, I think that's su- such a beautiful moment in the oh, song. Yeah. Well, that's the beginning of... To pacify the crowd. Yeah, yeah it's, same it's the beginning of the ending yeah. section. Ah, yes. Yeah, the same. yeah, yeah. I agree, it's, it's very striking. And one of the things that I, I've just mentioned all the time, Graham, is I just love the fact that the chords themselves might be fairly traditional, standard, for lack of a better term, but there's always these unexpected shifts in tonality, that intensity C music that I just adored, sometimes without even any usual kind of, of setup. It's just we're like we're in this tonal center, and then whoop, we're shifting over here. Give us an example, I mean, the, Eric. The, the beginning of Mandy, you know... We're here in E flat, and then the next part is in D. Yeah. You know, I love that just unexpected, it just whoops, on a dime, we're going to shift. It's it's very striking. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that. And I think that's what even, you know, uh, all the, the fans, the, even the, the, the ones who may not be schooled in, in music, I think that's one of the things they react to. They say, oh, this is not like anybody else. This is not the, the usual, you know, happy C, F, G for either the songs, that there's some very interesting twists and turns going on harmonically as well, of course, vocally. And we adore the instrumentation and the arrangements that you do and, and how uh, mm-hmm. wonderfully creative and uh, diverse they are. It's not always the standard uh, four-piece rock setup. There's always just interesting colors coming into the mix. So yeah, yeah. I, we'll just we'll just yeah. we'll just summarize. We like ten cc. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've come to like ten cc rather a lot over the course of seventy-five vodka. <laughs> Graham. Oh, what? Yeah. Who on earth would do 75 podcasts about 10cc? Uh, I, I, don't, I couldn't possibly answer that question. <laughs> but how, Paul, how but can, I, how I can, can we have done you, that? I know, well, I, I, well, it's great. You know, I mean, 
it starts me thinking about things like like feel the feel the benefit going sort of in depth you know diving in there with you uh, that i wouldn't normally think about um yeah. and it's really nice to do it and, yeah. and to share it absolutely graham well okay a perfect moment uh, so graham take care and i hope your rehearsals are going well and everything yeah looking forward to getting back i mean we've got stuff in now and i've got some heart full of songs stuff i'm doing as well Great. i'm doing an instrumental album at the moment um really which ah. is mainly it's all covers what? well we've seen your wonderful oh, wow, covers yeah. you've posted of misty and uh and Mother Nature's Sons. And there's another one coming out soon. Great. Wow. Um, okay. They're just uh, either songs that I like playing when I just sit down for my own pleasure just to play. Things like, um, well, the, ne the next one's uh, going to be The Folks Who Live on the Hill. that song oh yeah, yeah what yeah. a great i love that song and what's been great is like the way you that eric I'd probably appreciate this when you start learning something start delving into other people's music hmm. you learn so much mm. you learn sort of i'm like particularly the folks who live on the hill the chords are so fantastic and ah. surprising yeah a change you go <laughs> wow that doesn't sound like that chord change, and, but it is, and it works beautifully. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you feel like you're, I'm getting to know um, the, the writers' minds and the arrangers, you know, getting to their heads. Yeah. Yes. And, so, and yeah. also you kind of, I know this might sound a bit, woo, but you feel <laughs> like you're getting to know these people. That have, I agree. Somehow yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. I, I, I'm loving doing it. It's great. Oh, how wonderful! Stay too busy till I can get back and do my proper job. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Brilliant. So, is that nearly finished then? That project? Well, I'm, I'm about. I'm just in the middle of the seventh track, so I want to put ten all together. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's looking good. Brilliant! Wow, oh, fabulous. Exciting. Maybe we can talk about it when. when I... Oh yes, yeah, yeah, of course. We, you, yeah, you know, yeah. we, you know, we're good for that sort of thing, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, great. And thanks for the scoop as well. Okay. Brilliant. Well, good, good to see you guys again. Nice to meet you, yes. You too. Uh, absolutely, Graham. Thanks Bless so you, much, Graham. Graham. Take pleasure. care. been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening